Welcome to the SIS Off the Charts Football Podcast. I'm your host, Bryce Rossler, and today I am joined by my faithful colleague, Alex Vigdeman. Alex, how are we doing today? Faithful. That's a bit of a leap there. I don't think we want to get into this kind of topic. Are you not a faithful colleague? Are you... I suppose, like, yeah, as a... Like channels behind my back? I mean, if if they were successful back channels, you wouldn't know. So, Toxic workplace environment. I'll be sure to follow up with HR after the recording. Okay, so today we are going to talk about the very obvious topic, which is Taylor Swift. I am, I, honestly, among your faithful colleagues, I might be as prepared as anyone for this conversation. So, Really? Okay, what do, what do you do? You, what do you have? Do you have my uh, ready? No, I I do. Well, so I did have a Travis Kelsey stat that I thought of too late to come up with good Taylor Swift puns. But you are talking to a person who injected like eight different Taylor Swift references into a thirty thirteen article earlier this year. So, have you bet on a marriage proposal? I so I I liked this topic of conversation last time, and I have not. And will not, partially because I think it's an absurd thing to to bet on. Why? But there's uh, there's way worse things. Like you can bet on people guess, dying. Sure. Yeah. I guess that's true. Death pools are probably as bad as as you can get. So I actually was talking about this with my wife because I mentioned that that you had been talking about this, and we were debating which was less likely: the marriage proposal or the idea that she would like come on stage with Usher as part of being at the Super Bowl. And my vote was that it was more likely that there's a marriage proposal because I think it's absurd to think that she's going to show up at a concert when she's in the middle of a tour and she's just kind of, she's just trying to live. You don't think she's going to Kanye West usher? I guess that would be extremely, it's like paying it forward or I guess in a negative way. So it's like paying it backward, right? Because she was the one getting crashed in that case. So that would be kind of cool, but I don't think that's her vibe. So the vibes are good or so I've heard. The Swifties insist they're good, so they must be. I mean, it's. I get the impression from the album cover and the song titles and all that that this album will be a little less vibes are good. But oh, okay. Well, I guess I was just making things up then. In general, I think that's a fair conversation. You know me; I am one to fairly characterize all things. So, if you're still listening, what we're actually going to talk about today is the Super Bowl, Forty ers Chiefs, and we're going to play a little game. Where I am going to be the statistical advocate for the Chiefs. Alex is going to be the statistical advocate for the 49ers. When I conceived of this game, I didn't really think about how it would actually play out in practice. So we're shooting from the hip a bit here. There's a little bit of Calvin Ball going on here. I don't know that this is like a debate format where I'm going to present and then Alex is going to present. I wasn't a debate nerd in high school. Alex might have been. I'm not sure. We're just going to share some interesting statistical stuff about the matchups, and we'll kind of go from there. So Alex, being the decidedly more organized than I am, you get to be the anchoring point. I'm going to let you start the discussion. Okay. Well, first off, I love the idea of having a game without rules, because you know, famously, that is, rules are not a part of games. Typically, there are no rules in games. But so I think that the obvious place to start from the 49ers perspective is with the running game which i know people you know have gone in a different direction in terms of how important that is to success in football in general and all that jazz but the 49ers have for years established that 
they want to build around the running game and it's a diverse running game it's not like straight zone blocking that's not their you know they're successful regardless they are second in the nfl in success rate on zone runs second in the nfl in gap runs and they run enough of them they run both of them enough that we're not talking about like a one-trick pony running game the chiefs are also not a particularly great run defense they're 20th in the nfl in both epa per play and success rate on designed runs by non-quarterbacks, so cutting out all the, you know, random quarterback stuff. And obviously, the quarterback running is not really a part of the 49ers offense anyway, so you want to make sure to remove that when you're talking about it. And they're also, you know, with or without a lead blocker, obviously Kyle Juszczyk is is a part of the offense. They're fairly unique in terms of how often they use the fullback, but even so, they are top three in EPA per play in the run game, regardless of whether they use a fullback. Christian McCaffrey, I don't think we need to make a particularly strong case for him being good. He's good at football. It shows up in the statistical record. It's not just like a blocking thing, whatever. So this is that's the core of their offense. And in a, I'll I'll be obviously we're going to talk about Brock Purdy a little bit over the course of this conversation and whether he's you know up for it so to speak. But having the kind of running game that they do have allows them to lean into that as much as any team in the NFL. And they've shown that they will do that with McCaffrey. So I think that that's really the, the anchor point for them succeeding, especially offensively. So you got me. I concede. <laughs> and for the listeners, I'm I'm not going to have a rebuttal for every single thing. And Alex, and you shouldn't, won't. right? Like the whole point of having like these these good points is you probably won't have like an awesome counter. Like I, I think that's fine. Yeah the 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 only thing I'll say is that I think in the back half of the season the Chiefs got a little better defending the run. I think they're. Their rank in run defense points saved from week nine onwards was like 19th as opposed to their late 20s throughout the season overall. So it got a little bit better. But yeah, I would I would expect the 49ers to be able to run the ball. And and certainly by comparison to like one of the things that the Ravens got a lot of flack for in the AFC championship game was not running against the Chiefs. Like the 49ers are not gonna they're not gonna get away from the run. That's it's As much as we sort of picture it being a part of the Ravens identity, like it's definitely, it's more consistent in terms of the identity of the 49ers. And so I have no doubt that McCaffrey's going to get a lot of work and they'll be pretty successful doing it. Fair enough. So I I will stick with the running theme and talk about the 49ers run defense. So this is a run defense that does not create a lot of negative plays. They're like bottom quartile and bus percent. They're worst at defending zone runs in the NFL this year in terms of points saved for play. And while the Chiefs are not the best running team, they're an extremely zone-heavy team. They're 71st percentile in zone run this year. And I think there's there's probably some like stoppable force meets movable object here. But I think people have come to recognize that Isaiah Pacheco is a pretty decent back. and. I think that the Chiefs will not be limited to only passing, and if they decide they need to run more based on game script or to try and help Patrick Mahomes out, that's that's going to be on the menu for them. Yeah, I, I will give you Pacheco, especially relative to just what we've had from the Chiefs running backs over the last handful of playoffs. Pacheco obviously was there last year, and but he's much more established this year than he was last year. They've had big games from like Jarek McKinnon and that sort of thing in the playoffs. And so I think that 
that Pacheco represents a he's definitely like just a more established part of their offense than they've had consistently over the last few years and has improved a little bit over the course of the year. He was a little bit rough sort of up to and including missing time and has been better since he came back. So he's definitely a point of strength for them. And yeah, the 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 49ers run defense is not as strong as it has been in past years. It had been really a strength for them, I think. And they haven't really had as much of that, which is a little bit odd just considering the personnel they have up front. But the the one thing they do have is pretty good tackling. Their top five in terms of broken and missed tackle rate, you know, re- reducing those. So to your point about not making like a bunch of big plays, they don't necessarily make big get big losses, cause turnovers, that sort of thing. But they are not necessarily allowing a ton of those like big chunk plays. So let's talk about Brock Purdy. I'm sure that you'll have plenty of things to say about the manner in which he's not as good as people say. But the one thing that I think that is a really unfair characterization for him is basically just sort of comparing him to what people think of when they think of quarterbacks in sort of Shanahan offenses. Is he's not a game manager. No, he, they're they're not asking him to do very little, and he's doing very little and dink and dunk whatever. He throws it downfield, and he stays in there with when he's pressured, and he does both of those things pretty successfully. Like he's top three in the NFL in catchable percentage, on target percentage, independent quarterback rating on twenty plus yard throws this year. And Brandon Ayuk, we saw in the NFC Championship game, he, he can make catches down the field, especially so if it bounces off of dudes. He was one of the best in the NFL and on target catch rate on deep balls and yards per route run. So he has a guy to throw to and is willing to take it downfield and is also willing to like let the play develop on dropbacks that are like between three and four seconds. He was or the, the team in general was first in EPA and success rate. And the Chiefs were in the bottom half defending that sort of category of plays. So I think that we can reasonably trust Purdy to conduct a a sort of like aggressive offense in a way that I think that, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't necessarily going to do. So while Purdy is prone to mistakes and teams have not really punished him as much as honestly, he'd been punished more in the playoffs than in the regular season. But aside from, you know, things bouncing off people's faces. So he he definitely will will make some mistakes, but he is not afraid to sling it. And in general, like on average, has been very successful on those downfield throws. Yes, I agree. I would not characterize him as a game manager. But the other side of that is that, like you said, he makes mistakes. He's 26th in turnover worthy throw rate this year at 5%. That's really, really bad. For context, that's about what Sam Howells is. I'm going to make a, a point in your favor here. The the Chiefs have dropped quite a few interceptions this year. I think they're I think they've intercepted like something like fifty five percent of their interception opportunities, like that being interceptions plus dropped interceptions. So maybe not the best team to punish him for those mistakes, but he will make mistakes. He will throw the ball to the opposing defense. He's been punished to varying degrees throughout the season for that, but definitely not a game manager. Not does not fit the archetype. Yeah. And I think that sort of, it's like a, I think the reason why that offense has been as successful as it has for a large part of this year is because that, that little bit of extra oomph from the quarterback is really like a force multiplier, right? You get, you get guys who are really good at 
yards after catch or contested catches or whatever. That's one thing when you're throwing it five or 10 yards downfield. It's totally different when you're, when you have more space downfield and you're getting those, those guys who can break tackles 20, 25 yards downfield. We have a lot more space, a lot more opportunity to break big plays. And so if you can make those throws, that's like a bigger impact when you have the kinds of skill position players that the 49ers do. Yes. Now, I will say this. In terms of targeting the intermediate middle of the field, so like five yards to 20 yards, the 49ers are the most, I don't know if aggressive is the right way to characterize it, but they do it at the highest frequency of any offense in the NFL. We're talking about like about six throws a game to that area. They rank 29th in EPA per play almost. The interesting thing to me is the Chiefs are targeted in that area at the lowest rate in the league. Like, far and away, the lowest rate in the league. So, it's going to be interesting to me to see what happens there, because, like, if you can't throw to that area of the field, the offense can become a little bit more difficult, and the Chiefs have been typically pretty good at denying that. So, I would want to know where the big plays come from. Because typically, Purdy is not a deep and outside the numbers guy. He's like a deep and over the middle guy. So I don't know how that works out for them. Is that something that you see in the way that the Chiefs defense is structured schematically? Like, are they trying to force that stuff? Or is that just something that just has has happened to not occur? They play quite a bit of cover too. It can be difficult to access that part of the field when teams are playing cover two. But also, I think their linebackers are reasonably good about getting under like digs, benders when they're playing their hooks in cover three. I, I, I don't, there's not like a smoking gun schematically, I would say. It's, it's a couple different factors. Fair enough. So, do we count your deep middle of the field as a thing, or do you get another point? A deep middle of the field is a thing. Yeah, as a, as a, as your next point, or do you have another? Uh, that that is that is that is. I I just segued. I excellent. Uh, I seamlessly transitioned. Excellent. I'm an expert podcaster. All that good stuff. Yeah, that's why uh, I will turn it back over to you. All right. So I guess if we're doing transitions and we're talking about the sort of funneling of the Chiefs' defense towards or away certain th- from th- certain things, I think so. Trent McDuffie made the All Pro team. With the, I believe the first slot corner distinction on that team ever. And I think he had a pretty good year, but he dropped off pretty meaningfully in the second half of the year. And that sort of has resulted in a pretty meaningful split when it comes to passes that go towards Legarius Sneed and passes that go towards everybody else. So after using a sort of arbitrary split, but it happens to be basically half the year, it happens to be at the bye week. They had a bye in week 10. So before the bye, passes targeting Sneed and passes targeting everybody else were both negative EPA, so good for the defense, and were kind of similar to each other. After the bye, and including the playoffs, passes targeting Sneed, negative 21 EPA, which is very good, and passes targeting everybody else, plus 17 EPA. So basically entirely canceling out the good plays targeting Sneed. So I think that there are opportunities to pass against the Chiefs defense not targeting Sneed in a way that there wasn't earlier in the year 
in a way that there might not have been in other seasons or, or, or that you might really expect because there's been a lot more talk about the quality of the corners other than Snead. So I think there's a little bit of a, a false narrative there with McDuffie just because he fell off a little bit in the second half. So you are known for being the cornerback performances highly variable. Yeah. So talk to me about that. So the thing that should underscore basically everything we say here is that past returns are not guarantees of future returns, right? And whatever has happened in a broad collection of of sample doesn't necessarily happen in a one game situation. And that's why we try and aggregate as much as we can to, to try and collect as much relevant information as possible. For corners, performance is variable. For corners, performance is the way that we measure performance is also quite variable. Like I am admittedly cheating a little bit by using EPA as opposed to success rate because pick sixes, interceptions, that kind of thing, big plays on on third and fourth down do skew things a little bit. But from, you know, that yes, performance is variable, but all else equal, if performance has been poor, I will lean towards assuming poor. It's not like I'm going to assume the opposite or assume neutral all the time. So the one thing I'll say in retort is that I would have expected it to be a little worse in the second half just by by virtue of their schedule. The the first half of the season, like before the bye week, there are not a lot of great receivers on that list outside of the guys on the Dolphins. But like week 11, they play the Eagles. They play Devontae Adams. They play Stefan Diggs. They play... The Bengals, so it gets a little tougher in in the second half. So that's all fine. Don't you consider this a tough game? I do, <laughs> but I, I'm not inclined to characterize it as Trent McDuffie falling off or being worse. Cool. As I am, just okay. The competition gets harder, so the the results become less favorable. Yeah, but I, I, I still think he's a good player. Yeah, I think that's totally fine. In the same way that, like, for example, if you wanted to talk about Purdy's, you know, Purdy might not be the best, like, he might not be an average quarterback, but, like, it kind of doesn't matter about how you project him going forward. It matters what he's doing right now in this offense in this situation, right? We're not talking about paying this guy in the future. We're not talking about trading for that guy. We're talking about one game and the information we have at hand and the situation we have. So, yeah, I, I think... If McDuffie had just had good games and bad games, and they were interspersed with each other, as opposed to having more good games followed by more bad games, then I wouldn't have a point there. So, and I would just say performance is variable, and who knows what will happen. So yeah, in that sense, I accept your premise. Although, again, like I said, all else equal, if I have a bunch of positive followed by a bunch of negative, I will be a little bit inclined to believe that. I, I won't sit here and say that the 49ers skill guys won't get theirs, but I also think the Chiefs will win their share of battles too. Great. And you kind of made a point in my favor that Legereus Sneed is pretty good. Yes. Legereus Sneed is pretty good. Terrarius Ward also pretty good. I think we have a tweet that went out today that's basically like, both these guys are good. And that's useful. I think I would feel more excited about Ward as a matchup if he was going to be like following 
Rishi Rice or something. But that's not really what I would expect. He's, as far as I can tell, going to stay to a side. And Rice moves around more. And I am not threatened by any Chiefs receiver other than him. So that's a little bit... It's I'm not like... I don't expect that that either of those top corners are going to be like locked down guys that you need to totally scheme around. But I do think that they'll be successful in general. Yep. Yeah, I don't think anybody's scared of anybody on the Chiefs outside of Kelsey and Rice. But those guys, pretty solid. Rice ranked 21st among receivers and receiving total points for play throughout the season. He he came on even stronger in the second half, ranked yeah, for sure. 12th in, in the second half of the year. Kelsey, I think, has, has he had a really good game in the championship round, but I think he's slowed down a little bit, but still has been pretty effective this year. Third in receiving total points for play among tight ends. I think outside of those guys, the next highest we have in, in receiving total points for play is Justin Watson at like 121st or something like that. So not great, but I, I think there's enough there for Mahomes to work with, which is not what I've been saying this entire time. I was, I've, I've been saying for the past several weeks that I expect Mahomes to be griefed by his receiving core, but it hasn't happened. So I'm, I'm back to just blindly banking on Mahomes. I mean, he, he is in the sense that they were, I think, number two in the NFL in drops. So like, that's a big part of, you know, you mentioned dropping on the defensive side. They've also dropped passes on the offensive side. And I think Michael Lopez of the NFL has referenced that there's like a home field disadvantage in Kansas City for catching passes, something like that. But I would believe it based on their results this year. So, but the the big difference, I think, between even three weeks ago and now is that Rice feels a lot more solid and has been, they he was starting to become a focal point over the course of the middle of the year, but was not really like having big games. They just were, were getting him the ball. And now he's really turned it on and having Kelsey be an actual threat in a way that he wasn't for a lot of the year is a big deal. Although, is he Chris Jonesing it? I mean, sure. And he's the, the, who knows the motivations of a guy in, in the situation he's in. But the one thing that, so it sort of segues into one of my points is that when it comes to defending the tight end, the 49ers are as well prepared as anybody. That linebacking group is outstanding. They're number one in the NFL in terms of total points per play defending tight ends. So I do believe that they're going to be in a pretty good spot to, you know, I don't know if you, I I guess Kelsey is more shut downable than he has been in past years, but I I think that they'll be pretty well prepared for him and to whatever extent that that you can be with obviously the way that he sort of runs routes and, and all the options stuff and whatever. Yeah, I think the big thing is that the Mahomes second reaction stuff is extremely difficult to defend and you can only cover for so long. And that transitions us into my next point, which is that I, so I think we would both agree that the Chiefs tackles are not great. Offensive tackles, not great. And I think we would also agree that Nick Bosa is pretty good. I, I'm running out of points because you're making them all for me. Yeah, yeah, I'm preempting you. It's, it's a tactic. I am not sure that it will matter too much. And here's why. Because o- over the past three seasons, if you look at pressure coming from the edge versus interior pressure, they are, in terms of EPA per play, they are about the same. Edge pressure is a little bit worse in general. 
but not significantly so. Mahomes, in the average for passing plays in which there is edge pressure, we're, we're talking like Hurts here, is like minus 0.3 EPA. Mahomes does not care about edge pressure at all. He, the, the past three years, edge pressure has been minus 0.02 EPA per play versus Mahomes, which is like negligible. He's much more affected by interior pressure. And I think the Chiefs interior off the line is very good. I, I'm not going to say that the 49ers don't have good interior pass rushers, but I, I think the second reaction stuff from Mahomes and his ability to soften any edge pressure that comes his way mitigates a strength of the 49ers quite a bit. Yeah, I think you almost... That that sort of like I don't know how to phrase it, but basically like the Chiefs must be like Mahomes must be good at mitigating pressure from the edge because of how poorly the tackles have performed. Overall, the Chiefs tackles are in the bottom five in total points per play. And so if you're in the Super Bowl and you have that kind of tackle performance on both sides, Jawan Taylor's gotten more pub from his struggles this year. But on either side, it's been a little bit of a problem. And yeah, if they got to the Super Bowl with with that, then they must be doing something right. And it's it's definitely I, I would be a little bit more concerned also in terms of like running towards the outside. Obviously, that's you know that's where a lot of your big opportunities in the run game come, and they're not really going to be able to get as much push on the outside in either direction. And certainly not I w- I would expect not in Bosa's direction. He Bosa's one of the extremely good run defender. Yeah, he's as much you know, as much as, as being a pass rusher is like a, a big deal for a guy at his position, like he was fifth among edge rushers as, as a pass rusher in terms of total points, but he was 17th against the run out of like 80 guys. So he's good. And that that matchup is definitely like up front. That's the big matchup is is the, the right tackle paler against Bosa. Yeah. And we did now, I'm, I'm countering my own point. We did see in the Super Bowl against the Bucks that edge pressure was a problem for them. But that game also happened how many years ago now? Four years? Three years? So I I didn't think to look it up because I, I had no intention of making your arguments for you. But now that I'm here, I'm I'm just chatting away. So I'd, I'd be interested to know what it was like in 2020. Yeah. And in that game, you know, one of the, the big things that we've talked about as a company is like that game got out of hand, but like in terms of Mahomes' performance and how close it was to being close. Like, it was, you know, a, a couple plays going a different way in terms of, of drops or not quite getting as extreme of pressure changes that Super Bowl a lot. So I, I do think that I would believe that that that's somewhat on a similar. Yeah, so in 2020, Mahomes' edge, edge pressure affected them quite a bit. Between 20. 19 and 2020 it's not as pronounced but it's still more significant than it has been the past three years so so it's not something when watching him i've ever thought about consciously but maybe there's something there and while we're on the subject of Mahomes, sure i so this is not something that needs to be statistically argued for i hope you i hope your point is is just to say his name Uh, my point is that over the past three seasons he has more passing total points than anybody he has 17% more than second place, 53% more than fifth place. He's extremely good. 
And I think that's really more than needs to be said about him. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, for so for a lot of the year, he was sort of the nerd's pick for, it, it was, he was simultaneously like the nerd pick and also the like sort of lazy analyst pick for MVP, right? It's just like, this guy's the best player. Let's just, he's, he's the most valuable. But even from like a total points perspective, he was still, if not the top, one of the top few when the offense really wasn't doing that great. But then towards the end of the year, even his total points and sort of our measures of, of how well he was playing within the context of his team dropped off a little bit to the point where he was our, you know, our, we have our world's number one quarterback ranking. That's like a multi-year rating system. And he had been leading by quite a bit for like more than a year. And Allen passed him heading into the end of the, the season. In fact, Mahomes has since jumped back up to first, I believe. But the point still stands that he ha- did, while he was still like the best player in a kind of adverse circumstances, he had dropped off a bit towards the end of the year. But I think what we've seen in, in the last couple of games in kind of like funky weather, funky games has been pretty good. And with, yeah, I don't know, you don't really need to make too much of an argument for this. Like certainly if... If you want to make the sort of standard argument of, do I trust the quarterback? Do I trust the coach? Like, in theory, the Chiefs win both of those. Although, obviously, one of the big things, I guess this can transition into one of my notes. Like, one of the big things that people like talking about with Andy Reid is that he bungles endgame situations or or whatever, right? He's going to mess up some coaching decision at some point in the game. He's going to call a timeout when he shouldn't, whatever, that sort of stuff. And at least as it relates to fourth down stuff, he, he, we, we see that in the, in the statistical record. Like he makes choices that align with our fourth down model more often than Kyle Shanahan does, even given that he's more accurate across the board in terms of like when we recommend a punt field goal kick to go for it, he is aligning with our model more often. But the average expected win probability added difference from those choices is worse for Andy Reid in all three cases. So like when he's doing something that we don't like, he does it really bad. And that's the sort of thing that is definitely not something that you can predict within a game because the situation might not present itself that has that kind of a swing. But it is something that I would definitely be watching out for is that like one play that really screws things up. I think that's fair. You didn't want to take the time to investigate timeout usage and and things like that no it's something that we've talked about doing and there are some people online who do uh, stuff like that but yeah it's certainly andy has a history with funky timeout choices and that sort of thing oh i forget you're an eagles fan yeah yeah this is a this is a bone to pick this is a personal vendetta it's an ad hominem to be clear i'm pro Andy Reid in general on average and certainly if I'm being an Eagles homer I'm anti 49ers based on just being NFC competition yada yada so in that sense I'm the opposite of what the arguments I'm making say all right what else do you have for me I guess I'll mention I don't so you mentioned the Chiefs interior line being good this might not manifest itself but Joe Tooney is banged up the peck injury you know, he, I think he was limited in practice or something worse recently. So like, I think it's very likely that he plays, but if he certainly, if he doesn't, that's a problem given the quality of the interior line for the 49ers. 
and the drop-off, that sort of thing. Tooney was 10th in total points among guards this year and second in terms of the passing game. So like he's still very good. So that is a potential limitation. And maybe if even if he's like a little bit limited in terms of, you know, I would have I am not a medical expert, but I could imagine if you have that kind of injury, you might have trouble with with guys getting around trying to reach and that sort of thing. So I could see that being a problem, but that might, you know, if, if we're talking about the fourth down stuff, like might not manifest it, itself, Tooney might just be fine. And then this doesn't matter. Nothing matters. That is certainly true. And therefore we should spend zero more time on this podcast. Or we should spend all of our time because nothing matters. And why not talk about stuff that does? We've made some statistical arguments. We we both We both took turns advocating for the teams we were not supposed to advocate for. Who do you think wins this game? In your professional opinion, not your, pod, not your not your podcast sure. opinion that I've artificially forced you to have a take. Yeah, I think I think I trust the Chiefs more. I think that uh, yeah, sure, Purdy has had he, as you've pointed out time and time again, like he provides opportunities for the team to for the other team to mess with him uh, or to, to catch interceptions or whatever, and other teams have not, and the Chiefs are not that team to do it necessarily. But the fact that I feel really confident that those opportunities are going to exist is different than what I would say about the Chiefs. And I think that having Rice and Kelsey be sort of at the peak of their powers within the context of how they've performed this year is a real help to a team that has kind of struggled to find itself offensively throughout a lot of the year. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I would, again, all postseason, I've been preparing myself for Mahomes to be griefed by his wide receivers, but he's proven throughout the playoffs that he's still the GOAT, and I'm not going to do the, well, thing anymore. I'm, I'd, I'd say it's Chiefs win. I will say, so as it relates to, you know, now that I'm able to make opposing points, do you happen to know what, Brock Purdy's total points look like in the playoffs? No, I do not. Would you like to guess? He had, so he's he's played three games, two games, two games, and has seventy pass attempts. In terms of passing total points, how many points would you guess? Per uh, on a per attempt basis, I'm going to close. Per attempt is no, yeah, that, don't do per attempt, just like a total. the The average per game is like five to seven something. The average per game is five to seven. I'm going to guess eight, negative eight. He's been very bad and and you know that's like the you know all the the dropped interceptions and stuff from the lions game is built in there right so like he's a backers game too yeah i mean it's he's been dangling by a thread to some extent in the playoffs and so sure the full season spread can make a certain argument obviously he hasn't been punished as much as he could be in those situations like in terms of people who have at least 25 pass attempts in the playoffs he is last in points of, in total points per play, but in terms of like EPA, he is fifth. <laughs> like he's he's gotten away with it, and he might still get away with it. But it's it would be a concern if I were a 49ers person. Do we see Darnold? There's got to be there's got to be Darnold pass attempt props out there. Oh, for sure. I think I think that is hard to, I mean, unless you want him to have some elbow problems again, that's hard to assume. I don't wish injury on anybody. Yeah, I think, I, and to be clear, I, that's not saying that I expect the Chiefs to like run away with the game. No, uh, no, this will be, this should be a good game. Yeah. And 
it needs to, so to my like first point about the running game, like the, the 49ers need to, they'll be able to justify running, I think, for most of the game. And I think that that'll work for them, but it sort of has to, in my opinion. We will see. All right. For my not so faithful colleague, Alex Vigdeman, our producer, Justin Stein, I'm Bryce Rossler. Thank you for listening to this episode of the SIS Off the Charts Football Podcast. 